This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, July 24th, 2007. I'm Caleb Brown. The U.S. tax system is becoming less competitive now that a growing number of countries are shifting to flat taxes. So says Cato Institute Senior Fellow Dan Mitchell. But there is good news, he says, as more countries adopt flat taxes, lawmakers are watching. It's making it easier to make the case on behalf of flat taxes on Capitol Hill. We now have at least 17 nations with flat tax systems, and at least three other countries have adopted the flat tax system that should be going into effect in the next uh, year or two. I think the reason we're seeing this this incredible growth in the number of countries with simple and fair tax systems uh, is twofold. One is just real-world experience. Uh, A lot of countries have seen that for six decades, Hong Kong has been the fastest-growing jurisdiction in the world, and success begat success. Uh, But also, I think tax competition is playing a critical role. When Estonia started the tax reform revolution in Eastern Europe, they obviously attracted a lot of jobs and capital. They started growing quickly. Their neighbors noticed that. And the two other Baltic nations, Latvia and Lithuania, quickly followed suit. Then it spread to Russia, from there to Serbia, Ukraine, Slovakia, then to Romania, Georgia, Montenegro, Serbia. I mean, all sorts of countries are adopting it. It's currently being debated in the Czech Republic. And what's happening is countries realize in a global economy with goods and services and capital and labor able to cross borders much more uh, easily, it's silly. It's counterproductive. Uh, even more than normally, uh, to maintain punitive tax rates that punish people for creating wealth. Is this something of a domino effect, of adopting flat taxes? There the clearly is a, a domino effect. That's what tax competition is all about. You have to be cognizant of what your neighbors do. And, and we see this in the United States. Uh, many states would like to have even higher taxes than they do, but they can't because they know that they're losing jobs and businesses to neighboring states. Who knows how high taxes would be in Massachusetts if they didn't have to worry about zero income tax uh, New Hampshire right next door. And the politicians in California would probably love to raise taxes even higher, but zero income tax Nevada uh, creates some competitive pressure that limits uh, the ability of California politicians to be even greedier than they already are. Several groups have projects to hinder global tax competition, and they're very open about that. Could you speak to that? Well, there are a couple of private groups, you know, left-wing activist organizations like the Tax Justice Network and, and things like that, but they're not really a threat. Nobody takes them seriously. The real threat are the international bureaucracies because they purport to speak on behalf of the governments of the world. Uh, the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development is a bureaucracy based in Paris that ostensibly represents the free market Western industrialized countries. We're a member. The United States is a member. We give them about a fourth of their budget, and yet they're pursuing an anti-tax competition project that is very much a threat to the interests of the United States of America. The European Commission uh, has several anti-tax competition initiatives. Now, we're not a member, uh, but the European Commission is increasingly trying to be a so-called global standard setter. And if they're able to succeed in some of their schemes to hinder tax competition, that's going to be bad for good policy around the world and bad for U.S. interests. And then, of course, not surprisingly, the United Nations is also involved on the wrong side. They have some really crazy ideas for things like an international tax organization. Uh, the good news is that nobody's taking those ideas very seriously right now. But one thing I've noticed from my time in Washington, ideas that 10 years ago seemed crazy and not even worth discussing, all of a sudden today 
are real world threats. And so even though some of these crazy U.N. ideas, including a tax on immigrants, in other words, if, if somebody wants to come from uh, India uh, to become a engineer, a computer scientist or something like that in Silicon Valley, should India have the right to tax them once they're U.S. citizens living and working in the U.S.? That sounds like a nutty idea, but the U.N. is pursuing ideas like that. So even though those ideas seem so crazy that we can dismiss them and ignore them, I think we would only do that at our own peril. As U.S. policymakers watch this growth and the popularity of flat taxes globally, what is the lesson that you hope that they take from that experience? Well, the lesson that we're trying to drum into their heads is that lower tax rates are good and that tax reform works. When I first got to Washington and I would go up to Capitol Hill and I would try to tell a politician about the flat tax, the only example I could cite was Hong Kong. And for whatever reason, politicians thought that was a special case that didn't apply. Now, why it wouldn't apply, I have no idea. They never had any reason why it shouldn't apply. But it just didn't seem to really register that the flat tax was a good idea just because Hong Kong had it and Hong Kong was growing so so rapidly. But now that the flat tax has been adopted in all these other countries, and whether we're talking little countries or big countries, and it's not just the flat tax. You look at the incredible success of Ireland with its 12.5% corporate tax rate. They've gone from being the sick man of Europe to being the Celtic tiger. Their unemployment rate has fallen from 17% to 5%. All these examples around the world of either tax cutting or full-scale tax reform have made my job a lot easier. When I go up to Capitol Hill now and I'm explaining what tax reform is, I can cite all these real-world examples, and that means something to the politicians. Because politicians usually don't deal in theory. They don't want to know the underlying economic rationale. They don't want to hear you talk about capital formation and marginal tax rates. I can see their eyes glazing over. But when I say, this is how fast Estonia is growing, these are all the new factories being built in Slovakia, this is how fast per capita income has increased in Hong Kong, These real-world examples do matter, especially when there are so many of them. It's not just an isolated story of, say, Hong Kong anymore. And so I think this real-world evidence matters. That's the good news. The bad news is, so what? Politicians still benefit immensely from our current complicated tax regime. They get all the contributions from special interest groups. They can certainly try to buy votes on the campaign trail by having special loopholes in the tax code. So having all these tax competition and all these examples around the world is, is, is a necessary condition for U.S. tax reform, but it's not a sufficient condition. We still need a lot more work to try to break the corrupt stranglehold of the Internal Revenue Code in Washington. Do you feel that there is a growing desire to adopt a flat tax in the United States? I think there's much more appreciation and understanding of the need to at least move in that direction. I mean, I don't think the politicians are sold on it, but I think compared to, say, 20 years ago, even left-wing tax economists understand that high marginal tax rates are destructive and that double taxing, saving, and investing, which we do with dividend taxes, capital gains taxes, the death tax, and things like that, I, I think there's a greater recognition that it imposes economic costs and it, and it undermines opportunity when you have bad tax policy. Now, again translating this better understanding into real-world policy changes, that remains a challenge for us. Dan Mitchell is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. This is the Cato Daily Podcast. You can support the work of the Cato Institute with a donation at our website, cato.org.